Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We have the three amigos together, and this week we have a... Fourth amigo. Fourth amigo. We've got a special guest, a Mr. Steven Searles. Say what's up, Steven. Woo, 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 woo. Yes, I am so excited to be here. I feel like a celebrity. Uh, by the, just to let you guys know, I am a longtime listener, first time caller. Um, so Mega very, ditos. very excited to be on. Uh, just like being on Delilah, you know. Yes, <laughs> finally made it. The Your only request. thing, the only thing I'm concerned about is you feeling like a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so my wife. Avid listener of the podcast, oh. just loves it. His wife uh, listens. She's the one. <laughs> yes, she's Our the wife's one. Uh, Mind us. And we got um, we got a card from Jeff and Michelle recently, and Jeff was like, "We got a card from a celebrity." I was like, "Who?" And she goes, "What?" She's uh, you know, Michelle from the Living Room Podcast. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <That's> okay." <laughs> oh, goodness. moving on up. That's so funny. <laughs> Well, the reason we have Stephen on today, if you do not know who Stephen is, Stephen is a former member of our church, and he and his wife are actively working to plant a new church in Seattle, Washington. And so we, Stephen, wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about your story and the Point Church that you are actively working to plant in Federal Way in Seattle, Washington. And uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit how that's going and, and all of what God is doing. So... You know, you and Jess and your baby girl now live in Seattle, Washington. And first question uh, for you is, what is the one thing you miss most about Texas? And, you know, more silly, you know, we get your family, all those things, but we want, <laughs> what do you miss uh, most? Yeah, and for yeah. us, that wasn't, was one that wasn't even a thing? thought. <laughs> yeah. well, that's why he was, <laughs> a little bit that I I was giving you an out. He was trying to set you up to not have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you said. Ah, okay. Yes. yes. And then for us guys, um, just what one Texas thing that we couldn't live without to make Stephen for a real sad. All right, go Stephen. Oh, yeah, great. So uh, I've got two, uh, actually. The first one, uh, they both are really about my soul. Uh, the first one is Whataburger. Uh, mm. Like, guys, I cannot tell you, like, there are Seattle chains. There are, like, things around it. They're just not good. They're just not good. So I miss Whataburger, like, on a soul mm. level. Um, big time. Well, Especially, like, late, late at night. Let's talk burgers for a minute because... Uh, we went to a place in Federal Way, had oh, yeah. a really yeah. great burger. They also have the burger. milkshakes. What's the name of it? Best yep, yep. milkshakes. Uh, burger Express. Burger Express. Burger Express. Yes. Like kind of like a little yep. woodsy cabiny-ish kind of building, yeah? Uh-huh. That's yeah. It. Yep, so yep. my daughter was with me, and she still talks about that burger. Wow. Yeah, I mean they're good, and it's a local, it's a local one one stop shop. It's really good. I get it uh, though. If you're stop, craving stop water burger, water burger is the only thing that can scratch that itch. Yeah, it is. It I'm really just. Is I just don't want people to not, you know, move up to Federal Way and help join your plant team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no good burgers. There's good burgers, man. There's Those good are burgers. The best milkshakes. <laughs> good milkshakes. There are. There are. Uh, the uh, the other thing that I really miss from Texas is people being nice for no reason. Mm. Um, I re- like. I, I know that sounds like super corny, but people just aren't nice here. Now, let me be very clear. I understand that most of the people that are nice in Texas are probably mean behind my back, but at least they're nice to my face. So I miss people being nice to my face first. at least. But, and are people yes. like are people mean or are they just ambivalent? Not nice. Completely ambivalent. Yeah, Just, yeah. They do yeah. not care. They don't want to smile. Like it's and again, they're not mean. They're just there's no expected 
niceness yeah. here. And so, you know, they're not mean. They're just not overly nice. Yeah, reviews. we got buckets of expected niceness down here. <laughs> right, expected. <laughs> expected. Expected niceness. What about you guys? What is the one Texas thing you couldn't live without? Well, I would say Bluebell. However, it is now available in about a 20-state region. So I got 20 states <laughs> oh, I could really? choose from in this great union. Washington. Is Washington not <laughs> But not Washington, no. Uh, no. No, Sorry, I've heard Washington. Like, if Washington could get Bluebell, I think they'd be like, nah, we don't want that. That sounds Southern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes Southern. So, uh, specific to Texas, man, I was going to say Bucky's, but also Bucky's is now out of the state of Texas. It's all the way out to Florida. Well, so is Whataburger, to be fair. Yeah. But that that actually was my first answer, was Whataburger. I really love it, and I mm. really miss it when I can't have it. I was going to say my I family. Even I ever eat it. <laughs> I was going to say my family, you know. But Joseph said we can't. Yeah. I was going to say At least you thought of them. Point. Mm. <laughs> point. I, I mean, let's be honest. There are places that are far prettier with far better weather. <gasps> Don't you dare. And I think to myself all the time, Less if mosquitoes. I could just take Braz's point with me. <laughs> but you know what's crazy about that to me is both beauty and weather are eye in the beholder. Because like some people, and I'm one of them, thinks that our big oak trees are beautiful. Like there's prettier yeah, places, like but our big, big oak trees. But uh, there's some people that think this weather's amazing. Like they no, don't. I don't yes, there are. Those that. are real. There are real people. Ooh. No, give me My names. Likes Your wife. I think just, yeah. Huh. Not the humidity, but the heat. She's like a lizard. Well, I know she likes the heat. But <laughs> she listens. It's the it's the it's the armpit texture of the air that I don't uh, like. The, the armpit texture. Yes. <laughs> She loves armpits. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Who doesn't? Lucky her. So, <laughs> Waterburger, Brazos Point, Bluebell, Bucky's. I think mine, and I'm making some assumptions, but I think they're they're valid. Is Mexican food? Yeah. There, I, I thought about that one too, but there's some legit good Mexican food in Washington. Mm, there and is. other places. Well, and really, uh, it's, it is Tex-Mex. Yes, it's Tex-Mex. There's legit Tex-Mex we in Washington. Hmm. Well, the fact that there's three on my street at all times, yeah, and no matter where I go, it yeah. gives me comfort. And in truck form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, sorry to make you feel a little sad, Stephen, but we couldn't. Wow. We couldn't food, do what you're doing. Clearly, it's always food, but not family, as expected. Uh, that's <laughs> us. Cool. Well, Stephen, tell us a little bit about you know. Here you are. You're in the middle of the process. You're you're planting your church in Seattle, but go all the way back and tell us how did you even get here? What led you to this point of planting a church in Seattle and your calling? All those things. Just take us all the way back. Yeah, so it really started, honestly, uh, the earliest thing that I can remember. I was four years old, um, and I had memorized the first two chapters of Genesis. Uh, and for Father's Day, I got to go on stage at my grandfather's church, and I got to recite um, the first chapter of Genesis. And I just was probably the most excited I've ever been in my entire life. Um, and uh, it's like one of my earliest memories. I remember sitting on a chair and like spinning around and the ushers like grabbing me, holding me down. But uh, I, I went to bed. Uh, I see questioning quizzical gazes uh, for those at home that can't see that. Uh, I <laughs> went to bed listening to the Bible every night. Um, so that's why I memorized it because um, that's what I would do. I would try and to And you said awake you were four? Listening. I was four, yeah. Wow. Um, and so. What were you doing at four, Shelly? 
Well, yeah, what were you doing? Uh, but early, uh, <laughs> early on, I knew that I wanted to. <laughs> Uh, pretty early on, I knew I wanted to to be a preacher like my grandfather, um, and so um, fast forward, you know, many many years, and uh, and actually had walked away from faith, um, and uh, went on a uh, I, I went on a little trip to film a documentary, and uh, on that trip, I spent like eight nine hours a day with my best friend, and he talked about Jesus all the time, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I get it, like. I, I know this Jesus guy, whatever, um, but I had been go- I had gone through a lot of things that had hurt me as far as church, and so um, I, I equated church and Jesus, and so the Jesus that this my best friend was talking about and the Jesus that I knew you know in church weren't the same, and I didn't know how to reconcile that. Um, and so finally I said, you know what, let me just go to the source. I opened my Bible and I was reading words that I had memorized, um, you know, words that I knew that I was reading the Gospels, and for the first time, I was like, oh, this Jesus guy, that's someone that I would want to follow. Like, regardless of everything else, like, this guy, Jesus, is someone worth following, and so I need to explore that. So I, I stepped over the line of faith uh, when I was about 21 years old, and immediately, I knew that I wanted to create a space as far as church goes, that welcomed people like me who had questions and who had been hurt and who had been angry and um, who didn't know the real Jesus. They knew either a political Jesus or a you know mythical figure Jesus, but not, but really you know who who the person of Jesus is. I really wanted to create that space, and I didn't know what that looked like um, until 2012. I went to the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Uh, it's a great great school. Anyone looking for schools? Um, and my first class, my professor said, hey, I've been involved in church planting for the last 30 years. And I was like, what's church planting? Uh, and I learned that uh, one of the biggest tools for the gospel that God is using to, to spread the gospel right now, especially in North America, is through church planting. And that was the first time I'd heard about it, and I didn't really know, and I was really intrigued. And um, so something started in me in about 2012, like, hey, what if you were a church planter? And um, I had uh, I spent a, a good amount of my, my formative years uh, on the West Coast in, in San Jose, California, where uh, my grandfather's church is still to this day. And um, I, I, I had an affection for the, the West Coast, uh, but I had always had this draw to the Pacific Northwest, uh, specifically, really at that time, honestly, it was Portland. Uh, now I'm really glad that I didn't go to Portland because Portland's dirty and gross and <laughs> Seattle's way better. <laughs> um, but um, so uh, I, um, you know, I, I, I felt like, man, what if, what if, I bet there's a lot of people like me who are questioning who the real Jesus is in that area. And I, I didn't really know as much, obviously, as I do now. But then uh, fast forward to 2015, uh, I got invited by Meredith King, um, who was my new boss at the time, to attend Brazos Point. I had just moved to uh, Lake Jackson. Uh, I was working for True to Life Ministries, and um, there was a Vision Sunday. And Greg stood up and said, we plan uh, as a church um, on planting a church in the Seattle area. Uh, we, will, um, we want 1% of the people here to go. Um, and we want someone from, you know, that's in this room or from our church to lead it. And, uh, man, it just kind of clicked. I said, you know what? That person's me. And, and pretty quickly I went to, I think Randy first and said, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the one that's going to, going to plant that church, which is really funny because 
uh, Randy had was on the board at True to Life, who had just hired me to to work <laughs> at True to Life, and I was already saying what I was gonna do next. But uh, but in my interview, um, I you know God had really planted that in me. In my interview, they asked the question, you know, if, if money, power, fame, you know, was didn't matter, what would you be doing? And I said I'd be the lead pastor of a church. Like it was it was very simple for me. That was kind of where I was focused, and, and I was just working to get that. So that was 2015. And I uh, was the, the squeaky wheel and just continued to push and push and push and say, guys, how are we going to get me to Seattle? How are we going to get Jess and I up there? What's going on? And, and finally, they got tired enough and kicked me out in June of 2020. Uh, we left and, and moved up here. We call that being sent. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah, there are some that are kicked out and there are some that are sent. <laughs> hey, I've got a couple of follow-up questions. So one, uh, can you still recite the first two chapters of Genesis? No, no, I cannot. Two, um, man, I've seen so many different contexts where I'm having conversations with Brazos Point folks, and I see the light bulb go off of really what the lostness in Seattle is like. And so I just don't want to miss the opportunity for someone else to have that that moment of understanding. So like, tell us why the Pacific Northwest, why Seattle, what the lostness is like. Yeah, yeah. So um Seattle and, and really the whole West Coast is what we call pre-Christian. Uh, Pre-Christian um, as opposed to a post-Christian kind of mindset is very different. So post-Christian is where most of the country, especially the East Coast, is, meaning that the church was part of their culture. It was part of, of you know, what, what really society was based around, uh, especially if you think about uh, the, you know, the founders coming over and all those things. And now those societies have moved past where Christ is the center of the society. Um, the West Coast is pre-Christian, meaning Christ has never been the center of their society. Um, so where on the, the East Coast or in the Midwest and the South, um, people have kind of an understanding of biblical values, of a biblical worldview. They kind of know who Jesus is. They have an idea of what church looks like or what church um, might be um, on, you know, up here especially. It's like the Wild West, man. People just don't know. They don't know what the Bible says. They don't know who Jesus is. They, they kind of equate Jesus as um, a political figure, um, and they weaponize Jesus against people who don't share their uh, political views. Um, Jesus is also kind of in, um, if, they have a, if they don't have a completely negative view of Jesus and Christianity, um, he is one, he's kind of part of a pantheon um, of, you know, ideals that they worship here in Seattle uh, and, and the Pacific Northwest. People worship ideals, um, whether, you know, whether that's self-actualization or um, if it is, um, you know, being able to, being high-minded or education or whatever it is, the ideals are, are worshipped big time here. And um, so when, you know, for those that, that kind of have a, at least have a okay view of Jesus, they just kind of put Jesus in the same line of like yoga and education and crystals and all of those things. And so the, the lostness is just, um, is truly deep and deep seated. Like it's not someone, not a lot of people who have walked away. It's people who have like just never really seen Jesus. They don't know what the Bible says. They don't know what Jesus claims were. They only know it based on what someone else has said, what, you know, what BuzzFeed article they read or what 
you know, news thing that they follow. Like that's, you know, when we talk about lostness here, it's complete and utter ignorance, to be honest. They, they just don't have any idea who Jesus is or what the Bible says, other than that they don't like it. Well, and I think that's mind-boggling for folks in our context, because, you know, I, mean, I think a lot of times we equate uh, America and American culture with Christianity. And we think from coast to coast, sea to sea, right? That that is the case. And it's like, no, 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 this is, this is right here in our own country where there are pre-Christian contexts. And then what that then means is on, on any given Sunday, there are fewer people in church in Seattle than, you know, that would like, it would equate to some remote country that you would think of in Asia, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that low of a percentage of the population that's engaged in church. Yeah, with, within 15 minutes of our building, there are 250,000 people. Um, and of those 250,000, only 15,000 claim to attend church regularly. Um, and so if you think about that, those numbers are astronomical. And also if you think about claim, like saying you attend church regularly, does that mean you actually attend church regularly? Does that mean you actually know Jesus? So you're looking at 250,000 people, maybe 10,000 who are truly actively following Jesus. Uh, and that's an, a, a small, small amount. But when you say those numbers, man, you know what my response is. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Sounds like an opportunity. Yes. So you and Jess moved up to Seattle a while back, and you started the process of planting the Point Church. So how about just give us an update? Like, tell us a little bit about what's happened the last few months um, in in the process you guys are in um, of actually planting the Point Church. Yeah, yeah, we are well on our way. Um, so for those of that are following our journey, we uh, had picked this date of September 11th. That was going to be the day that we launched uh, our church. Uh, it is past September 11th for those that don't own a calendar, um, and we have not launched yet. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one of the biggest things is that God did bless us with a building, um, that the church that, that we have uh, kind of partnered with, uh, it was called First Baptist Church of, of Lake, uh, Lake Jackson, a federal way. Um, they were a dying church. They chose, uh, instead of dying and losing everything that they had spent their lives investing in, they decided to, to gift it to us. And so um, while that was a huge blessing, it was also a huge eyesore um, for, uh, for those that have not seen the pictures. Everything that you think of a, a church from the 1960s, the, everything that you think about with the pews and the carpet and, and I mean, all of that still there, like preserved pristinely in like a museum. Well, pristine. Um, not pristine, that's true. Uh, it, it was, uh, so we had this building that looked like it was a, a 1960 church. Um, and so we had to completely remodel it. And, and through uh, the generous giving of uh, people like you that are listening at Browser's Point, we were able to remodel that thing. And um, I'd never taken on a remodeling project before, and I don't think I ever will again uh, because it is hard and long and frustrating, and I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and so for four or five months, that was kind of where all our effort was, um, was trying to remodel that building. Um, and on September 11th, instead of launching, we actually just did a, a prayer and building dedication service. We, uh, we said, you know what, we, we are so thankful for what God has done and what he's going to do. Uh, so we stopped in the middle of a building that literally the back half of the worship center didn't have flooring down. 
because we were late. We had just laid the floor that morning uh, and had our service at three. Um, the glue was still drying. There was still floor to be put down in the back. Um, and uh, we, we sat and prayed and we thanked God for what he's doing um, and, and for just giving us his building. And we were so excited about that. Um, then about a month later, um, we had our, uh, on, on October 13th, we had our first um, preview service. So our preview service is where we're running the play, right? We're trying to, to create a worship experience that is going to be similar to what we're going to do going, moving forward. And so it was for our people to see kind of what that looks like. Um, we invited a bunch of friends to come and kind of put butts in seats so that um, we could have children's ministry and see what that looks like. We could have greeting and see what that looks like. We, you know, I, I wanted our worship leader and, and some of the other people that were gonna gonna be, you know, on 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 stage and, and say things. I wanted them to kind of work through what it looks like to have our, you know, language and and to to, to speak to guests and things like that. And 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 be really honest, things did not go all that well. Um, they weren't terrible. Uh, but it wasn't like a rousing success, but it was exactly what it was designed to do, which is we learned, right? We learned a ton. We learned a lot what not to do. And now we're, we're, we're shifting things around and trying to figure that out. Um, and so uh, we kind of huddled back together. Uh, right now we're meeting um, at my, in my house. Uh, we're having dinner together and really just kind of looking at what, it likes to build, you know, what it's like to build a team and uh, to learn our mission and vision and, and kind of see how our values and our strategy work together. Um, and so actually this week, so we're, we're recording this on a Thursday, um, this Sunday will be our second preview service. Um, and so we're going to take all the things that we learned and try to see how it goes the second time. Um, we have one more preview service, December 11th, um, and then Christmas Eve Eve, we will have what's kind of our, our big public launch. So these preview services, we're inviting lots of people who know Jesus and a few that don't, uh, but mainly we're, we're inviting a lot of people who, if we get it wrong, it's okay, they'll still come back. We, you know, we only get one chance to make that first impression. So these preview services are more about getting, you know, getting our stuff worked out. But Christmas Eve Eve service is all about getting lost people into the door. So we're going to be showing um, a Christmas movie. We're going to have a gingerbread house decorating contest. And um, we're going to, um, you know, have free snacks and popcorn and candy and all this stuff. And, and we're going we're gonna to go old school here. Um, we're going to send out a mailer. Uh, it's going to say nothing about church, nothing about Jesus. We're just going to say, hey, community event come, here's the address. Uh, we'll have, you know, we'll, our, we won't even have our church sign out there. We'll have a different sign. Um, you know, we're not trying to trick anybody, but people don't want to come to church stuff. So uh, we're going to just invite the community to come into our space. And then after the movie is done, we'll say, hey guys, we're going to, um, you know, if you want to wait around in 10 minutes, we're going to sing some songs and we're going to talk about the true meaning of Christmas. And that's going to be our first official service. Um, and we're so excited about it. Don't know who's going to come. Don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we do know that that is going to be our, our, our time to kind of, you know, show the public that we, we're here and who we are. And uh, then we'll take three weeks off to re rest, relax, reload. And then we will launch full out for our weekly services on January 15th. I mean, what I love about the Christmas Eve Eve launch and the the party, the Christmas party for the community, 
is that, you know, maybe these people don't celebrate Jesus, but they probably do celebrate Christmas in spite of that, right? And so you're saying to your community, hey, here's something that, that we all celebrate. It's a collective experience. Come and join us, and then let's talk about why. You know, let's enjoy each other. Let's have community, but then uh, come into this space and let us tell you about the heart of what's going on with Christmas. So I do have a question, though. Like, what's your Christmas movie? Is it The Elf? Yeah, is it Home Alone? Is it Die Hard? What are you showing? <laughs> That that's a lot. That's good. Uh, Die Hard was close. It was probably uh, number three. Uh, but actually, we're going to uh, show The Grinch, Who Stole Christmas. All right. Um, nice. Jim Carrey. Uh, no, not Jim Carrey. Not the not the live action one. We're going to go with the animated one. Um, that's first of all what we could what we could get licensing for. But also, um, it is short enough that uh, we're not asking people to be there for four hours, you know, to watch a movie and have all these things. Uh, but then, then our message off of that will be about how God gives us a new heart, and we'll, I'll use the Grinches. Oh, well played, Sue. So, well done. Well done. So, yeah. Well yeah. done. Fulfilled. So uh, another thought. You were talking about folks You know, at this point in the building of the church gathering around your table at your house and eating dinner. I love that. I mean, how Acts 2 is that, right? Um, but it also made me think that 10 minutes from your house is legit Texas barbecue. And, uh, and I just wanted people to know that too. So That's like af- as people are praying about moving up there, you can't have Tex-Mex, you can't have Texas barbecue, you just can't have Bluebell. But you can have those delicious milkshakes at Burger Express. And good yes, burgers. Yes. yes, and good burgers. And good burgers. I mean, so, go ahead. You go. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, seriously, it's November of 2022 and still, you know, five months later, our trip to Federal Way in June is the highlight of my year. Like it was just such a great week and we had, we had a great team. We had a lot of fun, but. Great leadership. The thing, great leadership and a great co-leader. Yeah. And, but the thing that I'm so excited about is. From the very beginning of your story, it is so evident how God has been opening doors all along the way, guiding steps all along the way, and just making a path clear. And there's been some obstacles. There's been some, okay, we we learned something from that. But it's exciting because there's no doubt about God being in this, you know, like, and He is powerful. Like he's the one that can do the work. And that just really like makes my heart beat faster when well, I and think about him working. That's one of the things I want you to tell folks too, is like, yes, we've put a lot of time and energy and money into this building and the building is a blessing. But ultimately when we talk about building the church and planting a church, it really has nothing to do with building a building, right? This is a tool and we're grateful to have it. Like tell folks a little bit about what you're doing in terms of building a core team, building a church, yeah. building a launch group. Yeah, so I'm just being really honest. It is that is the hard of of the hard, the hardest thing has been trying to build a, a launch team. Um, part of it is we just don't know anybody. Um, like we moved here in February of uh, of this year, and have um, half that time, almost over half that time, we've been wor- we were working in Seattle still, and living in Federal Way, which. Um, it's only about 20 miles, but it, it, they're kind of different worlds. People from Seattle never come to Federal Way. They just don't. That's just not how it happens. And people in Federal Way don't really go up to Seattle if they don't have to, um, right? So uh, we had to really depend fully, completely on God to provide us people. Now, part of that was there were some people that were still at the church, um, and they have been uh, great additions as far as numbers. 
Um, but um, they, we, we've been, we've had to do a lot of coaching with them. Um, church was a lot about them and not about others. Not a, they didn't have a big outward focus. So we uh, were working to to help them see what it looks like to be outward focused. But then we just had to pray. Then we just had to ask God, Hey, Lord, where are you? Where are the people? We know that you have people that you are drawing to join us. Where are they? Um, how do we find them? And man, it's been actually pretty miraculous. Two quick stories. One, um, there, uh, there was a, I got a text from a, a buddy of mine that's, that's a worship pastor at a church plant. It said, hey man, I have a friend who has a friend who is moving uh, to Kent, which is just northeast of here. Um, and she's a, you know, she's a 30 something year old single woman. Um, and she's moving from Georgia and she doesn't have anyone to help her unload, uh, her moving van. Could you help her? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So Jess and I made a welcome basket, took it over to her house, helped her unload. And she was just floored that people who never knew her would come help her move in. And so we, of course we invited her to church. She is a Christ follower. Um, she came that, uh, that was on a Saturday. She came the next day on Sunday and hasn't missed since she's completely in. She's going to lead, um, our greeters this week at our preview service. Um, so literally it was nothing we did. We just prayed. God brought someone to us. Um, then there's another couple who, um, whose sister is married to, um, Peter Erskine, who is the son of um, the Erskins at Brazos Point. And somewhere along the line, someone called somebody and said, hey, you got to check out this church. And God had been working on Macy and Keegan, um, giving them kind of some unrest at the church they were at, and they were looking for something different. So when they came to a cookout that you guys, uh, your, your team was actually there during the cookout, they came and they visited and um, come to find out right after that, uh, Keegan said, hey, I think this is where we're supposed to be. So they've joined. They're full in. Um, they're, Macy will be working with our kids ministry this week. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just building this launch team is only by God. Like he is, we're trying. We still need more. We're, we're waiting. We, we know that there are families that are, that are in Brazos Point right now that are going to move here. Some, some I'm speaking that in faith. Others, the Newmans, are actually uh, have plans to be here. So we know there are people coming. Uh, but building the launch team has been really uh, difficult. But God has just been providing over and over and over again. Well, I like the, the Keegan and Mason story, Macy story. It's like so creative. It shows how creative God is, but also how connected Debbie Erskine is. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Six degrees of Debbie Erskine. That's Kevin Bacon plays that game. <laughs> Well, Stephen, I love to hear the the stories of, of all that God's doing um, through the Point Church and in Federal Way, and I, I love I even love the perspective of you guys gathering on the eleventh in a half finished building that smells like glue uh, yes. in the flooring, and just the reminder too that God is doing something new in this building, physical building, but also in that community. And it's just a cool reminder. And even for the people who are there, just to be reminded, hey, God is doing something new and we all get to, are invited to be a part of it. So that's super cool. So, man, last thing, Stephen, just tell us and, and those listening, how can we be connected to you and the Point Church? And not just information, but how can we help? And even some real specific steps that we can take. Yeah, yeah. So there, um, you know, there's there are a lot of things. Two of the biggest needs uh, honestly, uh, our Christmas Eve Eve service, we would love to have, we would love to be able to engage our community 
um, by not having to have something to do. So if any, if so, I know that there there was an interest meeting you guys had um, where some people said they would be willing to give up their Christmas um, to come and help us. That would be a huge help because if I'm running a a popcorn stand or if I'm you know helping to do certain things, I won't actually be around engaging people other than if they come to me. I can't go to them, um, and and that our people would really appreciate that as well. Um, it's also just a huge boost when people do come and work. Um, it shows our people that they're not alone. And that was a, a big piece. It's a big piece of being here in the Northwest, feeling very alone, feeling very isolated because you are isolated. Um, so having folks uh, would be awesome. Same thing on the 15th. Um, we're going to try to do some uh, grassroots guerrilla marketing. Um, to, to, we don't want to send out a mailer for our church service. Uh, that wouldn't go over very well here. Um, so we just want to go meet people in the community. So the more people that we can get here before our launch um, can go meet people at coffee shops. We'll think of creative ways to get um, you guys engaging the community and just inviting people to come check us out, to come explore faith with us, to come experience what it feels like to be seen, heard, and known. Um, that would be a huge, huge help. So the, the 22nd of December, sorry, the 23rd of December or the 15th of January, those are huge things. Um, then um, there's, you know, honestly, there's always giving. Uh, you know, we hate to, to talk about money, but that's just the reality. Um, it's expensive here. Everything is expensive. Everything just costs a little bit more. And so um, if you would like to partner with us financially, we can make that really easy on you. Um, we would love for that to happen. Um, you know, those, those would be really great. And then some specific prayer, uh, things that you guys can pray for. First is that people would come and join our launch team and come and join our church. That would be huge. Um, you know, whether that's people locally, people moving in, doesn't matter. Um, also be praying. We are launching in, in February, what we call, uh, care communities and care communities are, um, our outreach. Um, our, our one singular outreach strategy is to love on foster kids and the families who host them. And so, um, a care community is a group of eight to 10 people who surround a foster family for one year. They walk with them through life. They bring them a meal. They uh, offer childcare at least twice a month, uh, plus you know spot emergency times, um, and really just take ownership of helping a foster family stay healthy and stay sane and stay whole and feel like they are not alone. And so um, we are praying that God would uh, would would allow for those people who are going to volunteer and help in that to to kind of rise up and take a role. Um, the people that are in our church currently. Um, and we're launching in a kind of a unique way. Uh, every small group that we have will be a care community. Like you don't get to just sign up to be a small group to lead one. Uh, you also have to lead a care community. You don't just get to sign up to be in a small group. You also have to sign up to be in a care community. Um, and we're trying to, to not divorce our mission and our discipleship. We, we think that if we can grow discipleship and, and, and community in our church through small groups, our mission also must multiply. And so um, it's a very, it's a unique way to do it. Um, there's some people who have said that won't ever work. Uh, they don't like that strategy, but I think it's where God's leading us. So if you guys just pray for that, as we launch our first care community, as we reach out to a foster family in our area, and love on them and pray for them and take care of them. I just pray that we would stay strong, we would stay consistent, 
that the right people would step in and that people would start to catch that vision so that as we grow and have more small groups, we're able to take care of more and more foster families. And I love that part of the vision because it's just setting that outward focused DNA, you know, and it says from the beginning, man, we're not starting this church for ourselves. Uh, and we're not really even just starting this church for believers. We're starting this church for federal way, and we're starting this church for foster families. And you're just sewing that outward focus in from the very beginning, and it's like a, a part of the building blocks of who y'all are. Man, there's a, there's another beautiful story that God is writing that we haven't really touched on, uh, and I want you to, to touch on it a little bit because I just see how he's providing. Federal way is an incredibly diverse place in terms of its population, and uh, and he has provided you a... Uh, Korean-American worship pastor. He's provided you a Latin American key leader in the church, and then you look like a homeless Sasquatch. So y'all just got like a tremendous amount of diversity. Is there anything you'd add to that? I just, I think that's such a cool part of the story. Well, one of the cool things is as well that uh, there's a church that is sharing our space, and they are a predominantly uh, Korean-American church. However, uh, they just got a new pastor, and what's really, really cool is the pastor is Korean-American, but he realizes that the majority of our, over two-thirds of our community is um, biracial, you know, while, or, or at least um, they are uh, bicultural, right? So they, they might be immigrants, but now they're, so they're Korean, but they're also American. And so he has a really cool vision of, he understands what it's like to not belong to either culture what it is like to be Korean, but also be American, but not really be American and not really be Korean. Um, and so they are uniquely poised to reach a, a group of people that I don't understand, that I won't be able maybe to reach. Um, and they, God provided a space for them to meet with our building. And we're partnering together for our Christmas Eve, Eve service. Uh, we're partnering together in some other outreach moving forward next year. It's just so cool to see God provide that because something that maybe we couldn't, always meet we we all you know you talked about the diversity on our staff which is awesome but god also brought in another group of people who represent federal really well uh, that will get to use our space and the gospel will became become famous because of them and and we get to to help that so it's just an awesome thing cool well steven really quick tell us how exactly can we be connected to you if we are interested in giving going all of those things yeah, absolutely. So uh, our website is thepointfw.com. Uh, the point has an E on the end, just like Brazos Point. Uh, so thepointfw.com, you can uh, contact us through the page. If you scroll all the way down, there is a give button at the bottom. You can give that way. Um, and uh, I will also, um, obviously, anyone that is on this podcast, if you ask them how to get connected with a trip, they would help you find uh, find that information. But you can also just uh, email me directly, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at thepointfw.com, and I would love to help you get connected up here, uh, get you connected with us and what God's doing here in the Pacific Northwest. Cool. Well, thanks, Stephen, for being on, man. It's good seeing your face. And we're excited for all that God's doing in Federal Way and through the Point Church, man. Good luck with your newfound fame after being on our podcast. Right, right. It's right, difficult. Right. I'm, Don't I'm let it go to, to your head. Brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Stephen. It's good to see you. All right, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week.